0: Hello, my friends. An interesting and rough weekend. Two rebels were arrested. I'll show you video footage of both. Of course, if you're listening on a podcast, you won't be able to see the video. You'll be able to understand some of it through the audio. But this is a perfect example of why I'd like to encourage you to become a subscriber to Rebel News Plus. That's the video version of these podcasts. It's eight bucks a month. You get all of my shows, which is daily, plus weekly shows by Sheila gunn David Menzies, and Andrew Chapados. Just eight bucks. Go to rebelnews.com and click subscribe. Thanks. Here's to today's podcast. Tonight, David Menzies is arrested again, this time at the request of the Conservative Party. It's July 26, and this is the Ezra Levant Show. Why should others go to jail why? when you're the biggest carbon There's consumer I know? There's 8,500 customers here, and you won't give them an answer. The only thing I have to say to the government about why I publish it is because it's my bloody right to do so. I'm getting a bit sick of our reporters being arrested. Two of our teammates over the weekend. First in Australia, Yemini's bodyguard was singled out of a crowd and grabbed by police, smashed to the floor, handcuffed, punched, and kneed. Take a look.
1: Grab that
2: Grab
0: this
1: It's security. Hey, he's our security, sir. He's our security. I'm at work. He's he's our security. He's our security. He's our security.
2: security. What? He's our security. He's
1: working with us. He's working with us. He's working with us. You've arrested our security. You've arrested our security. Daniel on the ground, who is here as our licensed security guard, who came here, licensed, working. But, and, and I told you guys at the time that he was working security. Look at what they've got. Capture it. This is police brutality in Melbourne, mate. That's unqualful. He's a security guard working on the job. It doesn't look as bad now. Oh, it's um, red. Can so you see that? I'm telling Come you. Come in here.
0: They were very, very tight. And to me, it, it felt very malicious and vindictive. He's a licensed insured security guard whose only job is to stop people from attacking Avi No one attacked Avi, but the police thought they'd rough up the security guard, give him a fine of nearly $2,000. So frustrating. That was Saturday in Melbourne, but then yesterday, Sunday, in the greater Toronto area, our reporter David Menzies was going to cover two political events yesterday, a conservative event with Melissa Lansman and a liberal event with Majid Johari. Then I suddenly received a phone call that David had been arrested. Here, watch the actual moment of his arrest.
2: 20, ask a sure. question to to you know your hand a a your politician. This is what Put your hand behind your back. Put your hand behind this your is, back. This is what we get <laughs> in sure. Canada. Look sure. at this. Keep Look at distance. this bug Manhandling me. And what was like a huge sure. sure. just asking questions. The assaults were on my body, people running in front of me, and I'm the one Sir, that he wants to hand What is this? I cannot. You think Justin Trudeau's media party is bad? These are the guys that want to form the next government. It's please. unbelievable. We my my mic back. Back. What kind of a grievous thing is this? Give him the mic. Yeah, let him the Give him the mic. Hold okay, behind your the back. The this is a disgrace.
0: You know, he asked a lot of questions of that cop. And just for asking those questions, the cop charged him additionally with resisting arrest. I'm serious, because he was talking and asking questions of the cop, disputing the claim against him. He was charged with resisting arrest. Obviously, that's not going to fly. But watch that video one more time, that same arrest video, and look at what happens to David's notebook when he gets arrested. To help you, we'll put a bright circle around it. That woman is one of Aaron O'Toole's campaign organizers. They're the ones who called the cops. When the cops arrested David, they grabbed his notebook and rifled through it and took pictures of every page.
2: This is freedom of speech in Canada in 2021. If you dare ask a prickly okay, sure. question I'm to, to, hand to, hand to, hand a, to a would-be hand politician, hand this is what happens. Put your behind your back. This is this is what we get sure. in Canada. Look at this. Look at this thug manhandling me. And what was I accused of? just asking questions the assaults were on my body people running in front of me and i'm the one that he wants to handcuff what is this this is you think justin trudeau's media party is bad these are the guys that want to form the next government sure it's unbelievable what kind of what kind of egregious thing is it? hey give him the mic, yeah, let them, the mic okay. so you can't behind your back this is a disgrace
0: that's incredible to me. That's like someone putting down their purse, and you know who put down the purse, and you saw it, and you know who it is, and they're right there, but they're behind you, or you're behind them. So, because they're tied up for a moment, you grab the person, rifle through the person, take photos of anything in the purse. Sorry, that's not legal. I think that might be theft. It's probably a privacy violation too. And I think you could say it's actually obstructing a police investigation. That and all other personal items on David were in the custody of police during the arrest. By the way, I think the O'Toole campaign still has David's notebook. I know they're calling up other journalists around town and telling them what's in David's notebook because one of the journalists who received such a call told me that. David was pushed and jostled. He was splashed with what I think was water, but I don't know and all because he asked some prickly questions. It wasn't a particularly important event to cover. Like I say, David was planning to pop by there just for a bit before going to a liberal event, but they called the cops on him, saying he assaulted people. Hey boss, how you doing? Good, how are you? Good I'm looking for my employee. I understand he was arrested, David Menzies. Uh he's probably with the cruiser over there. Are filming you following me? Yeah. Uh, okay. Cheers, I'm Ezra. Nice to meet you. Ezra Levance. Oh, heard the name before. Well, know. you know what? I I just come to free my guy. Do you know how, how that came to be? Do you know what happened? Uh, what I can tell
1: you is that uh, there was an incident during the organized event that uh, led to
2: multiple calls of uh, him causing a disturbance as well as uh, physically you know, causing uh, assaults.
0: Oh, my God. Yeah. Well, so. Well, I look forward to seeing, uh, seeing the facts. Thanks for your time. Yeah, no Cheers. Yeah, no, he didn't. And he didn't swear at them either, even though police charged him with that the o'toole campaign melissa lansman the local candidate they lied to the police to get the charges that's a trudeau level move video footage of david's arrest went viral on twitter and so 10 hours later that o'toole candidate melissa lansman put out a damage control memo she said she wasn't the one who called police but she said she'll cooperate with any investigation i presume that would be our demand that the people Uh, who threw things at David and splashed water on him or whatever, that they're charged, the woman who rifled through David's notebook. But Lansman went on the offensive in her late night memo to switch the subject. This wasn't about David being arrested or David's notebook or David having water thrown at him. It was actually all about David being very homophobic because you see, Melissa Lansman is gay. You can see Lansman says David was bigoted and that's why everything went sideways yesterday. She doesn't quite say that's why they called the police on him, but I assume that's why. And we know Lansman's gay because she won't stop talking about it. It's her central political identity. It's actually not that special in the year 2021. There are openly gay politicians at every level of politics. Being a gay politician a generation ago was probably pretty hard. Sven Robinson, if you remember him, was the first MP to come out as gay back in 1988. And he was punished by being reelected for 16 more years. I mean, good for you, but being a gay candidate in 2021 is not a substitute for also having good ideas. Uh, It's a bit of a thin resume. And the rest of her real resume is pretty rough. I mean, here's how her interview started out with David.
2: So, Melissa, I got to ask you how can you run to represent the riding of Thornhill when you were somewhat responsible for so many businesses going under and so many people losing their jobs as a paid lobbyist for Walmart? You made sure your client stayed open at the expense of other businesses, and now you're running for the people. How do you square that? Well, I've actually been quite clear on uh, on that. Uh, we uh, The mandate for uh, for Walmart was entirely on vaccines, and that's all available information, and you can seek that information. What do you mean the mandate for Walmart was vaccines? That was our, that was our mandate. I didn't speak about it at the time because they were still in active climate, but uh, we, we, uh, we allowed Walmart to get into the vaccine pipeline. Melissa, you were in the war room of Doug Ford in 2018. Phrases like Ontario open for business and for the people and then you were instrumental in shutting down businesses, putting them out of business, putting people out of a job so that this multi-billion dollar corporation based in the U.S. could remain open, not only selling essentials but non-essentials. Why could Walmart sell flowers but... Jane's flowers couldn't sell flowers. Look, I'm, I'm sure that's a question for uh, for the Ontario government on why they made that decision. But again, I told you our mandate was uh, uh, was on uh, vaccine procurement. Thanks very much. Jim. How much How much did you get paid by Walmart, by the way, Melissa? Was it five, six, or seven figures?
0: Yeah, that that wasn't good. Uh, Landsman made her sexuality central to her campaign. And just as much so did Erin O'Toole. He wanted her to be a living, breathing rebuttal to the claim from the CBC and the media party that the conservatives are anti-gay. Again and again, the conservative party said, Lansman is proof that they're all past that. So David asked a simple question. Did you win on merit or on the basis of your sexual orientation? I mean, I think that would be a rude question to any, to any other candidate who didn't talk about their sexuality all the time. But for Lansman... It's like she's a vegan or on a gluten-free
2: diet. It's all she talks about. So here's David's question about that. Were you chosen based on merit or based on sexual orientation? I think the nomination is uh, over and we want the yeah. nomination.
0: No objection by Lanceman at the time. Pretty tough to write glowing op-eds about yourself being gay, but then be mad when someone asks you about being gay. David put the question to her uh, in similar phrasing a couple more times. And uh, then he was arrested and the day was over. But it wasn't until close to midnight that the Lansman campaign decided to rebrand that question from David as the real crisis of the day. And to say she was worried for her safety by his homophobia. Yeah. No, I don't think so. I think that's just the standard playbook of the identity politics left. If you have a Black Lives Matter candidate, anyone who criticizes them is a racist. If you have a feminist candidate, anyone who criticizes them is a sexist. That's Catherine McKenna's fallback. When people criticize her, it must be sexism. And for Lansman, questions about Walmart or questions about how she won the nomination, questions about if she's just simply an LGBT mascot, that's all called homophobia. And maybe if she shouts it enough, it'll drown out the concerns about arresting a reporter, assaulting him, and rifling through his notebook. We've set up a page at SaveMenzies.com to crowdfund to fight the charges and to help us go on the offensive, to make sure the lady who threw the liquid on David is investigated by police and to get that clipboard notebook thief. But this whole affair has me thinking about things. First, why are we always getting arrested? I mean, Saturday in Melbourne, Sunday in Thornhill, Ontario. Drea Humphrey was manhandled by Trudeau's security in Vancouver just a couple of weeks ago. Just last week, Alexa Lavoie, our Montreal reporter, was also manhandled by Trudeau security. We're not committing crimes. We're, we're doing accountability journalism. Um, in the past, that only irritated politicians, but who cares about them? Now, though, it seems to irritate police. And I don't know, either they're woke police or the cops have become political themselves or they're just taking orders from politicians especially during the lockdown. I mean, a day after Toronto's Mayor John Tory denounced Adam Skelly's barbecue, that's when the police sent in 100 officers to raid the place with riot horses, probably the largest police operation since the G20. Same thing in Alberta. Jason Kenney denounced churches that were open during the lockdown, and the police heard. So they arrested and humiliated four pastors, including a spectacular highway takedown of one of them. I think police are more aggressive than ever. Politicians are living out their authoritarian fantasies. And the courts are submissive, all in the name of a pandemic. And at the same time, most of the rest of the media are bought off. They're happy to cash their bailout checks from Trudeau in return for going easy on authoritarianism. So I'm worried, especially if the liberals are reelected with their plans for censorship. I'm worried more of our people will be arrested, Bill C-10, Bill C-36. But I'm not just worried if the Liberals win. Here's a tweet from Aaron O'Toole a couple days ago, talking about how they're the only party opposing censorship. But I'm not sure if that's really true. I mean, forget about the arrest yesterday. Look at this video clip from the House of Commons, from Aaron O'Toole's heritage critic, the one who's supposed to fight against censorship. Listen to his speech.
2: But, on all... but we don't see it in the bill. There's nothing in this bill that allows for the regulation of social media or platforms like YouTube. And it's clear we, uh, we would have liked to have seen this in the bill. The minister even says we have to find a way of uh, uh, preventing hate speech, uh, conspiracy uh, theories and uh, fake news that's uh, shared. But right now in the bill, unfortunately, uh, we won't even be able to amend it in that aspect and because it's simply absent from the bill. Yeah,
0: he's saying he wants to crack down on misinformation and hate speech and all the other political crimes that the liberals want to ban too. I'm worried, but we're gonna continue our work. I don't want our people arrested. We'll make sure we're careful and we'll stay within the law carefully. We have lawyers brief our reporters on legal matters all the time. We'll keep doing that, but we're gonna cover politicians of every stripe in the upcoming campaign. Trudeau's liberals, O'Toole's liberal conservatives, Singh's NDP, whoever owns the Green Party at this given moment, et cetera, we're just going to do it. And we're going to ask questions, even if the questions are prickly, even if the questions aren't perfect questions. That's democracy. And the right answer uh, to a reporter's question is to answer it or to not answer him, but not to attack him, arrest him, and steal his notebook. Stay with us. More ahead.
1: Look at what they've got. Capture it. it. This is police brutality in Melbourne, mate. That's uncalled for. He's a security guard working on the job. Did you do that to Channel 9? Did you do that to Channel 7? Did you do that to SBS and ABC? my members are trying to do that. And he's
0: not an offender. He's not an offender. He's my security guard. And joining us now is our chief Australia correspondent, our friend Avi Yamini. Avi, great to see you. Thanks for getting up at an odd hour to be interviewed with us. Um, I was upset that they targeted your security guard, Daniel, who's a very professional guy, very low-key. He follows the rule, the best fight is the one you never get into. So he's not a troublemaker. He's professional, insured, licensed, the whole thing. I think cops were trying to get at you by getting at your team.
3: It certainly seems that way, Israel. It seemed, and it felt in the moment, um, very targeted. It's kind of, they, they looked past me as in, we know he's untouchable, but how do we get him? We get the next best thing. We get the guy who's there simply to protect him lawfully, even under the health directions, it's outrageous.
0: You, you say um, the police might call you untouchable, of course no one's untouchable, but you are so compliant with the law, you know the law, in many cases you know better than the cops, like for example, you know there's a specific exemption on masks for journalists who were talking into the camera. Now, that makes sense, obviously you can't really be a TV journalist as your mouth is covered. Some of these cops don't know that, you've schooled them before, you're very compliant, you're following the rules, and if the cops come at you, we've had several lawsuits against the cops for false arrest. So I think that's what you mean by they can't- no, understand no, Go ahead.
3: Uh, they, know that, they know that I follow the law, uh, the, uh, the, the rules by the letter of the law, and that, uh, like you say, I seem to be more versed than them. So when I say untouchable, I mean on two levels. One, they know that when they cross the line, um, we take them to court with the help of the viewers, and um, we go directly to the Supreme Court. And then on top of that, it's the embarrassment of if you don't know the rules that you're trying to enforce and you're doing it simply out of a for a power trip, um, you get schooled and, and the entire exposed to the entire world as the power hungry um, person you are.
0: Yeah. Oh, I mean, I think you're doing great. And I'm, and I'm very pleased. That we are suing the Victoria Police. That's the name of the police force in the state. That's also the police in the city of Melbourne. I understand. Um, so they know that they can't push you around with impunity. Uh, that's why I'm a little surprised they're going after Daniel, uh, your your bodyguard. Um, you
3: I, I I have some theories. I feel like you know they've been told now. Don't don't grab him. He's not worth the the pain that we're going to feel you know that, that, trust me they're feeling a lot of pain in the courts for you know for, I, I know what's happening in the back end so it's clear um that they don't like what we're putting them through so they've they've given some sort of notice to the people on the ground as in you know make sure if you engage you're a hundred percent in the right but nobody told them that they can't grab my security guard mm-hmm. and that's the kind of behavior we're seeing
0: well, um, as you know, we have a policy, don't leave anyone behind. We really go the extra mile if someone on our team's under attack, either if they're physically attacked in some way or if they're legally attacked in some way. In this case, both things happen to Daniel. So I'll let you reveal anything on your own time. I know we've got some really good lawyers down under. So when you and Daniel and our lawyers are ready to make an announcement, about what you're going to do, if anything, let let us know. Of course, consult with us. I'm sure our viewers would love to crowdfund it. I I know you're a big hit down under, but in Canada, the UK, the United States, a lot of people get their Australian news from you, especially on the lockdown. So I think you would, you, and by extension, your bodyguard, Daniel, would get a lot of support. I, I know from Canada, you would. Um, appreciate it well and and give my, i've never met daniel in fact he's a really low-key guy uh just make sure he knows that we've got his back I, I i'm sure he does know that but you can tell him from me he does he, he
3: does and he knew he knew straight away we you know we had madeline who's been doing a lot of our fight the fines and and uh, some of our civil action as well um against victoria police she was on the phone immediately she was speaking to the sergeant she was the one who actually organize all that. And uh, Daniel's, you know, once we got off that camera, he just goes, can you tell Madeline, thank you? Because he he felt that he, w- he wasn't alone inside. They didn't let me talk to him. They didn't let me uh, even engage with the police that were the, the arresting officers or whatever, but it was the lawyer could. And he felt that um, level of comfort because they came into him and they said, uh, is Madeline Smith your lawyer? And he said, yes, she's my lawyer. And uh, and moments later, he was then released.
0: Well, that's really great to hear. And I've never been put in jail or or a police cell myself, so I can only imagine what it would be like. But I'm sure uh, worry and risk, and, uh-oh, how long am I in here? What do I do? Am I doing the right thing? I'm sure those are all questions that come to mind. So it must have been comforting for him to know there was someone on the case. And we've worked with Madeline before. I've had the pleasure of talking with her several times on the phone. She's pretty sharp, and she's got an excellent record. Well, I, I suppose that's the, the most important thing. She wins. So, um, so that's really good. You mentioned earlier that the police sort of have the word out, you know, don't mess with Avi unless you're going in with clean hands. I think police should be that way all the time. But just in case folks are skeptical and they think maybe it's some narcissism on your part, if you watch that whole video, the police clearly know who you are, clearly know your name, and they they call you by your first name, first name basis to each other. In fact, there was a moment you caught it on tape where a boss cop tells the other cops, Watch what Avi does, and if he does anything more, we'll have to have more enforcement against. Him. So that's not verbatim, but they they basically are saying, get him if we can. And, and exactly, yeah, they're they're,
3: they're setting they're setting it up for, and and that has a lot to do with the cases we have in front of the courts at the moment because until now it's all been unlawful arrest, unlawful detainment, um, and so now what they try to do, they're trying to. Uh, and, and even in their wording, they try to entrap you. So they lock you into, well, you've set it up that we asked you what you were doing here. You weren't doing journalism suddenly. You were actually here for a, for a purpose that was unlawful. So that's why we all at least we can say they don't need to, they They know why I'm there. They just need to be able to argue that they believed or that they were they had reason to conduct an investigation. Investigation involves arresting me. And that's what he was doing in that moment. But as soon as he realized I wasn't going to fall for his trick, he just, you know, stomps away.
0: Yeah. Um, well, listen, we're—it's very interesting. I think you're very effective. Your videos go viral. That video Thank of you. Daniel being arrested—last I checked, it had over two hundred thousand views, and that was just after a couple of days. Uh, and that's just on the YouTube platform alone. We're on other platforms these days: Rumble, Odyssey, SuperU. Um, I appreciate the fact that you are resilient and same with Daniel, that that you're not letting this get you down because I think that's part of it. It's sort of a psychological warfare. You and Daniel are both pretty fit guys. I saw the red rings around his wrist where the handcuffs were. That looked like it hurt, but Daniel doesn't seem like a weakling, like he seems like almost a tough guy almost. But
3: uh... Ezra, it, ha- it has to do really with the, the, the fact that we have the support of the Rebel News team and, and the Rebel viewers. You've you got to understand I've been doing this now for a few years. And before I joined Rebel September last year, I was getting arrested and it was going unchallenged at some of these events. And it was a bit tiring and it was a bit, um, you know, you, you did feel alone and you, you some days you did want to give up. But now whenever we go into these situations and we don't go into them wanting to get arrested, we don't go into them expecting to get arrested, we go to these events to cover them. People can go and see that. I did a big report the day later that came out after the Daniel event uh, last night, our time or um, today, your time. So we go there for an objective and we always have. In the past, before I joined Rebel, uh, I I kind of had to get arrested. I never got charged because I uh, I was still... Um, I was still uh, abiding by all the all the rules and, and, and making sure uh, to work within the confines of the law. But they targeted me, and I didn't have the back the backing of both the Rebel team, the Rebel lawyers, and most importantly, the Rebel viewers. We didn't have that whole setup and that structure ready to back us when we need it. It was really – I had a lot of viewers, but it was really me alone. Um, so – Daniel feels supported I certainly feel supported and anybody and, and and just the amount of people over this weekend with the freedom day rallies in Sydney and Melbourne and the amount of um people sending emails that are looking for for that support are coming to us because they know that's where the support is garnered to fight for people who the system is trying to intimidate out of standing for their rights
0: yeah well i i know that a lot of you get a lot of news tips because you're one of the few freedom fighters left down under we got to go really quick but give me a quick survey of the different parts of australia in canada we call them provinces down there you call them states you're in the state of victoria sydney's in new south wales etc can you give our viewers like a one minute tour of the australian map telling us what's under lockdown and what isn't
3: so it's very hard to know it's very confusing to know who's under lockdown day by day in this country because Australia has. Chase this unrealistic goal of zero cases. They want zero cases on the entire island. Now, throughout the pandemic, you know, people have pointed us going, wow, you see lockdowns work, you can get to zero. But they don't tell you we're an island and we've essentially been uh, in jail. Both uh, citizens with passports could not leave. I could not, you know, I'm a dual citizen. I've got a lot of family. My mum, my grandma, everyone lives in Israel. I have not been allowed to, through this pandemic, go visit them, for example. And my family. Um, but there's right now 34,000 Australians stuck overseas. You can't get in here, and that's all because we've been chasing zero, uh, a target of zero cases. Now, um, right now under lockdown, I believe we have uh, Victoria, where I am, Melbourne. That's been the most lockdown city in the world. This is our number five lockdown, and they're not even hiding it anymore. They're saying we are going in and out of lockdown as uh, outbreaks. Uh, come up. So then you have New South Wales. New South Wales has the big, uh, uh, the big uh, outbreak at the moment. They've been in lockdown for, uh, I think, about five weeks now. And there's no end in sight because, you know, the Delta variant is out of control. Um, So it'll be interesting. This is only their second lockdown. Their premiere until this outbreak was uh, often uh, you know attacking our premier for locking down so much saying that they that they kind of managed every outbreak without locking down but uh, has take you know taken a full turn and now um is locking down and and every day we hear the restrictions are getting tighter and tighter south australia i believe is also in lockdown over one case the question is i think really what happens in new south wales um in New South Wales, if they do not uh, manage to bring it back down to zero, which my prediction is I don't believe now they're going to get it back down to zero because only because not because they're not, not not trying to restrict people's movement, they are trying everything. But I think the people of New South Wales are much less compliant. Victoria is the most compliant city in the world. That's why we've been locked down so many times that uh, people just cop it and people do it, and they just they accept what the Communist government here uh, says. As, as as the word of God. In New South Wales, it's not like that. In New South Wales, we're seeing the spreading by people, you know, just going on about their lives. So I, I believe that if, uh, if, if it doesn't get under control in the next few weeks, then uh, they're going to finally have to learn to live with it just like the rest of the world is learning to live with. Uh, and You know, sadly to say, I think the worst thing that can happen for Australia is if they manage to get it back to zero, because it means we're going to be in and out of lockdown until who knows when. Because uh, if you look at Israel, if you look at countries that are highly vaccinated, you're seeing that they're having spikes in numbers again. So if that is really what you're chasing, we're never going to get out of lockdown.
0: Yeah, well, I think some people would like that. I mean, thanks for the update. Uh, give our best regards to Daniel. And I'm Will thrilled do. that Madeline's on the case. And look forward to your next video. Thanks for your time. But thank you, Ezra. Right on. There you have it. Avi Amini, our chief Australia correspondent. Stay with us. More ahead. You know, I like to fight. It's one of the characteristics of Rebel News. Our very first motto was actually fearless. Our motto now is telling the other side of the story, but we like to think we're fearless still. Um, We brief our people on the law all the time, whether it's the law of defamation or the law of trespass. We really like to be legally compliant. Um, So it, it bothers me that we're getting arrested, and I'm not sure if it's our conduct or if it's that police are getting more trigger happy and the law itself is getting more censorious, as is popular culture. But what's the worst part of it is that the Conservative Party is now fully aligned with Trudeau in terms of cracking down on rebel news. I don't know if I should say fully. I hung out with a few Conservative MPs lately who say they're not pleased with the direction. But yesterday's actions by Melissa Lansman and her campaign certainly caused me concern. I want us to be careful. I want us to be well-behaved in terms of the law. But I don't want to bend the knees to politicians who don't want us asking prickly questions. Melissa Lansman has tried to brand David Menzies as a homophobe. He certainly is not. Asking questions about sexuality would, I think, generally be off limits, except for the fact that Melissa Lansman's whole campaign and her whole positioning in the party is the LGBT mascot. And I think questions about it are legitimate. I think she just wants to drown out the larger crisis, which is that the Conservative Party really doesn't believe in free speech anymore. And whether your name is Jim Karahalios, or Derek Sloan, or even Pierre Polyev, who is demoted for being too much of a tall poppy, I don't think it's just Rebel News that's bearing the brunt of it. We're the canary in the coal mine. We're the ones who are usually censored first because we're the toughest. But if Rebel News is censored today, you can bet you'll be censored tomorrow. That's our report for today. Until tomorrow, on behalf of all of us here at Rebel World Headquarters, to you at home, good night and keep fighting for freedom.